All right, welcome everyone to another special live stream of Red Star Over Asia. Uh, so we were supposed to do this uh, last week, but because um, of Solnal and some other things and someone getting sick, we had to delay it to, to today, Saturday, January 28th. So um, before we get started, let's introduce everybody. My name is Mike. Uh, I'm in Busan, but actually in Seoul right now. Uh, then we have Bori. How are you today, Bori? I'm doing great. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, or good morning, good evening, wherever you are watching. Uh, Sangu, also from Busan, but also in Seoul with me this weekend. How are you? Hello. Good morning and good evening. Yeah, all right. All right, I just got delivered coffee in the office. Uh, thank you to Comrade Dehan. All right, so to get to our topic. So uh, as we've posted on social media, if you've seen this, uh, you know the stream is about uh, the recent NIS which is uh, South Korea's uh, security services and uh, the general police raiding uh, KCTU, Korean Confederation of Trade Unions offices across the country. Um, so just a brief overview to catch everyone up on the facts before we start discussing more in depth what happened. So on Wednesday, January 18th, the uh, Korean Confederation of Trade Unions, that's KCTU for short, which is the umbrella organization for the uh, the democratic trade union movement. Uh, they were raided by the police and multiple raids were conducted on the offices of KCTU and its affiliates by the National Intelligence Services, that's the NIS that I mentioned, and the National Police Agency. Um, so for example, the main headquarters in Seoul was raided by hundreds and hundreds of officers. There's some pretty striking imagery that you can see online. Uh, we can post the link to uh, where some people in KCT were live streaming the police raid was quite intense. Um, kind of gives you a sense of just the scale and gravity of the uh, state repression going on. So the, the uh, premise of the raid was they were collecting evidence on four people. They were the prime targets. Uh, so these include a senior KCTU leader, uh, cadre from the Korean Health and Medical Workers Union, a member of the Korean Metal Workers Union, and the head of the operating committee of the Jeju Sewol Ferry, Ferry Memoriam. Uh, so for folks who may not remember or know, the Sewol was a really tragic um, maritime uh, incident uh, where uh, quite a number of young people lost their lives. And uh, there's been a lot of activism around that. Um, so all these people are current or ex-activists of the KCTU. So it's not entirely clear what the charges are because uh this is supposed to be evidence collection that's why they were raiding the office but some right-wing press has reported that they're possibly being accused of violating the national security act which is this very dubious cold war era law that's used to repress progressive forces across the board accusing people of being somehow sympathetic to uh, north korea etc um all right so i guess that lays out some of the basic context there um so, Bori, do you want to go into a little bit more detail? You were actually at uh, the KCTU headquarters when the police raid happened. And then a little bit later, we're going to talk about some of the other raids that happened, specifically targeting construction trades union of KCTU, uh, which that occurred nationally outside of just the Seoul HQ. So uh, what's your can you plug in some of the more of the background and then also talk a little bit about what it was like, like being in the building when the, all this shit happened? 
Right, so I I'm having second thoughts on revealing that I was there, but uh, uh, okay. I guess it's fine. I guess it's fine. Um, His lookalike was there. There's a yeah. <laughs> my doppelganger <laughs> was there. Yeah, yeah. All about it. He's so famous. He has a he has a lookalike stand. But yeah, uh, the police were correct, completely surrounding the street in front of the Gyeonggang building, which is where the KCTU headquarters office was located. Uh, if I recall correctly, the the offices are on the tenth to thirteenth floor of the uh, Kyunghang newspapers building. The street in front of them was surrounded by the police and they were denying passage for all civilians, for mm. all passerby. And and then they were having a second round, second line of police surround, uh, blocking the entrance to the building. Mm -hmm. uh, there was also a couple of firefighters because there was an air mattress prepared and there was a uh what do you call it a a ladder a ladder prepared as well and mm. then the police in front of the entrance were barring anyone from entering you had to show that you had business within the building you had to show that if you didn't have any identification cards which the police were asking for you would have to call someone from inside the building to be let in uh i and I guess it's 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 ridiculous because they were doing they they had a search warrant for a single desk and it wasn't the entire office, so they were really overstepping and block and, and doing that much blocking. Uh, and then when I got passed through those two lines and got to the thirteenth floor, I got off at the fourteenth. Uh, my doppelganger got off at the 14th and then we, yeah. uh, he took these stairs down to the 13th floor. <laughs> there was an extra line of police barring the entrance to the office because there was the elevator. The, uh, the, the layout is there's an elevator, there's a stairway, a small hallway to go to the bathroom and then the entrance to the office. Mm. They were barring that. They were completely filling uh, the hallway to the brim. Um, and not letting anyone pass through going from the office to the restroom and completely making a scene out there and these were both there were nis agents and also police in plain clothing it's, mm. and it's really funny because these people in plain all of them in plain clothing were claiming that they were doing public service and that's why uh like telling them to back off and let people pass through because you guys only have a search warrant for a single desk. You don't have a search warrant for the entire office. There are no grounds for you to completely block the entrance, block mm -hmm. entry. Um, what are you doing? They were saying that we're doing public service, so back off. And then we, we uh, people were asking them for their identifi identification because mm -hmm. In the case of the police, that's legally required. If someone asks you for identification, then right. you state your rank and name and say what your business is. One of one of one of the officers, apparent officers, didn't prepare that. They didn't have their identification cards with them, uh, so they were sent off. And the KCTU, obviously, uh, they're not going to be letting the police or NIS agents in before. 
they legally recognize that it's required. So they there was a standoff before the lawyers arrived. Mm. And after the lawyers did arrive and say that this was a legitimate warrant uh, and the KCTU would be like willing to let them in and let them do their work, the police and the surroundings did not really change afterwards as well. So uh, my doppelganger left around lunchtime because uh, headquarters said that Anyway, all the people that came in solidarity could leave now because the search warrant being issued was now being uh, taking place. Uh, I don't know what happened after that, but the search went on till like late in the evening. It took a couple, almost 10 hours from, if I recall correctly. Uh, and what they did was basically search the desk, took a couple of files, uh, searched the computer, uh, copied a couple of files onto USB and that was it. So all that commotion uh, for a meager amount of data. Right. Yeah. I mean, it se seems, uh, let me uh, share that again. I was showing some pictures of what you were talking about here just to give people a sense of the, the scale of like, as you said, like they were start trying to search one desk. Um, it was not targeted at the organization itself. Well, I, in a way it was, but the legal, uh, the evidence collection order, court order was not. But yeah, you can see here. Uh, oh, there were two air mattresses. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so you can see just the sheer scale of how many police were sent and NIA agents were sent. Uh, I mean, to me, I mean, I think to any anyone this is clearly uh in addition to the evidence collection it was a clear attempt at intimidation of kctu they really wanted to send a message yeah these are uh yes these giant suicide mats um so yeah very pretty shocking stuff here all right so um songu did you want to add anything to that just sort of the general um, context of what happened I saw a Facebook post about um, NIS raid, and it was posted by uh, it was posted by the Korean Health and Medical Workers Union, mm. and the NIS guys like bring like really big boxes, really big two box, and like. They were, what they did was like taking like really few documents and right right i saw that picture yeah. as well so Only the boxes like... we're talking about you usually see when 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 like you go on the news search warrants they have these specific i think it's blue yeah hu hu humongous Huge boxes. boxes yeah yeah they they brought two and they weren't able to fill the bottom of one yeah, <laughs> you, you, they, the picture showed that the documents were so scarce that they weren't even able to fill in the uh, blank spaces on one box. Well, yeah, it seemed like it was like a, a fishing expedition, as they say, like to just intimidate KCTU. Um, well, before we get into more detail, uh, just a little bit more context for people maybe who haven't followed this inside Korea or like just people outside of Korea. So the current president of South Korea, Yoon Suk-yul, uh, is really putting all of his capital into like major neoliberal reforms. And KCTU, 
is sort of the vanguard of the trade union movement is uh, very much in the way of that. We had a trucker strike a few months ago. We did a previous live stream on that. Uh, some people have said that uh, just sort of the severity of the police repression, state repression happening right now is in some ways kind of petty revenge on KCTU for having the gall to uh, resist uh, his various neoliberal reforms. So that's sort of uh, a little bit of the background for why this is so aggressive. Um, all right, well, let's... Well, well, a bit more on that is that yeah. there has been changes in administrations from liberals to conservatives, and the KCTU was always under attack. All of KCTU's leaders have been arrested at least once under all administrations. Mm. And we'll be talking about the construction workers in a bit, and the tax and the logic being applied there started under the rule administration, the second liberal administration of South Korea. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think the biggest thing that was alarming about this was that the NIS was operating in broad daylight. Uh, the NIS uh, under the previous under the previous liberal Moon administration was undergoing reform, and uh, Moon had one of the, his guys from the Democratic Party to on as the NIS head. And they revealed a lot of internal documents because the NIS was always very shady, secretive. And their slogan is literally uh, heading towards the light from the shadows, something like that. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a really good translation ready, but um, in a rough way, that's what it is. They tried to change it during the Moon administration to something that isn't is less shady because yeah, something less reform would be yeah. the reform would be not letting the NIS off the hook when they start like uh, monitoring and surveilling civilians, etc. Uh, actually do some proper spy work, if that's what, like proper statecraft, whatever. Um, they changed that back to the initial one on when once the president changed, uh, was switched back to a conservative conservative one. Now, that's their slogan, operating from the shadows. But here they are investing in the National yeah. Intelligence Service yeah. in broad daylight they're in these black vests and walking around the office. And that's where that's one of the in the big uh, like it's it's one of the tells why this was a big show. They don't really have a good lead on this and why this was just bullshit charges like strong indication of that so the nis well obviously this is the first time the nis themselves identifying as themselves were raiding the uh kct headquarters prior attempts were done by the police um so that, that that's a big difference but there is a long tradition of smearing progressive forces as north korean collaborators firings in south korea it was always being brought up whenever uh, it was politically useful for the state to have one of those incidents happen. And a lot of them have been revealed, have been now recognized as being conjured by torture, blackmailing, fabricating evidence. And this isn't like talking under military dictatorships. This happened way into the 2000s we're talking about 2013 when the nis was revealed to frame the north korean-born chinese national yun song 
and tried to frame him as a North Korean spy. And they used blackmail, they used, uh, they fabricated evidence, whatever. But the thing is, is that all those spy rings were announced after arrests were made, Mm. not before. This wasn't an arrest that happened. This was a search warrant. Mm. So like, try, try to just approach it from a common sense perspective. If you're trying to clamp down on a spy ring, you don't want to let you know let them know that you're after them because spy rings usually operate on a very uh, dot to dot basis, and if one of them gets caught, the others lie low. So and then they would try to like get rid of all their evidence of activities, etc. So <laughs> these the NIS is not being very serious here. Like, mm-hmm. why would you be announcing to the entire country that you're after them if that was actually the case? So that's why it's it seems pretty obvious that this isn't a serious issue, and it's also a search warrant. There wasn't, uh, it's it's not an actual uh, ar- an arrest or something serious, and that and that brings us to the whole fiasco, the spectacle, the spectacle of the. Uh, of the raid. So there were 700 police surrounding the building, the street, in front of the office. Some people counted it as over a thousand. I don't know the exact numbers, but we're talking about a lot of people. Uh, And then the firefighters deployed an air mattress and a ladder. A ladder would, I guess, to be able to, uh, the idea would be to be able to get into the 13th floor through the windows if the need arises and the air mattress is to prevent like if if the police are after a suspect and they try to get out of the window they want them alive that's where the air mattress plays a role but both of these things are irrelevant if this is just a search warrant like if this is not 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 an arrest if mm-hmm. the police are not trying to physically re- retain a person both of those things are not needed and then uh yeah so all of that is to make a scene as if the entirety of the kct was under trouble that was not Mm. the case now i I bring up the number of and then and then the last thing would be that the conservative newspapers were reporting it as if the entirety of the kct was uh in was caught violating the national security law Mm. uh but as I mentioned earlier, the police were blocking everyone from entering the building, from entering the entrance, going past the street, entering the office, etc. But they had carefully crafted uh, the entry so that a Yeah, I was going to ask you about this. This is crazy. Yeah, the Chosonerable yeah. reporter was be like, what, embedded what, what journalist. Yeah, yeah, embedded journalist, exactly. <laughs> so for <laughs> people who don't know, Chosun Ilbo is like, uh, I don't know, for a Western audience, maybe the equivalent is like a Rupert Murdoch-owned like British tabloid newspaper. It's just exactly. outrageous kind of like frothing at the mouth, like, you know, Moon Jae-in's a communist, everybody's a communist, everybody's a North Korean agent. So, yeah, they, they, uh, the police came in with an embedded, well, not quite as salacious as maybe British tabloids. Exactly. But, so um, it's, it's a conservative newspaper that tries to, uh, it's, it's like the mouthpiece of the bourgeois in South Korea. Right, so right. they they are they it's it's worthwhile paying attention to what Joseon writes because uh they are 
the best at the craft in in creating frameworks. Right. If they if they want to lead public opinion in one way, uh, they they pull off stunts. And and it's 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 important to note that a Joseon reporter was embedded in the police. Absolutely. So when when that was when they got caught when the reporter got caught, uh, they got shoved out of the office and sent away because that's <laughs> that's that's uh, that's the KCTU atmosphere. Joseon reporters and the other conservative newspapers, they are denied interviews. They are denied entry into the offices. Mm. No one will. Everyone refuses to work with them. And this is much more infuriating when everyone else, actual people working in the office, were barred for entering. While and then a news a reporter was allowed in. Now yeah. that the I guess the icing on the top was that the raid started at nine ten, and Chosun uh, put out a brief report at nine sixteen that the raid was happening, and mm. you can't write. Yeah. A report like that in six minutes you have to write it in advance and that indicates that uh, uh, they knew of the raid in advance so oh, it was okay. it was a deep collaboration that was pulling off a big show right in front uh, right before holiday season starts so that everyone might want might like a lot of public opinion people meeting with their families would talk about the kc2 and mm. the national security law charges oh. against them so I guess that was the picture that they had convised. That's a good point. Yeah, right before Seoul, which the Korean New Year holiday. So the something to talk about around the uh, holiday dinner table. Um, all right, we have a quick question, though, from somebody. If I can put that up on the screen. Uh, so this is from Songmin Park. With what Bori is saying, do you all think Yoon's approach toward labor represents more of a continuation or a notable break from recent past presidents? So, so Maybe more than Songu, you can give your thoughts about that. Sure, Songu, you want to give it a go? Um, in my opinion, uh, I would say like um, there is like little continuation because, like, so when Moon was in the chairs, he arrested the president of KCTU. Uh, he didn't read it, but like I anti KCTU was also in Moon administration, so I should say like there is a continuation. Right. So the current president of the KCTU, Yang Kyung-soo, was arrested during the Moon administration, uh, and he's still the current uh, president. Now, it's it's there is anti-kct anti-labor is continuous whether you whether they the administrations are liberal or conservative but uh the conservatives tried to make that more explicit while as uh liberal administrations try to do that kind of under under the scenes they don't try to make that much of a commotion they want to be seen as being pro-labor while pulling off anti-labor schemes so the big labor reforms that really deteriorated working conditions all passed during the liberal administrations and then the really insidious like the uh presidential order for getting back to get back to work order that Nguyen pulled off for the truckers strike that was uh devised under the rural administration the second liberal uh, government 
So these anti-labor, there are literal continuations in that case. Now, would the NIS raid have happened under the Moon administration? No, because the Moon administration was brought in explicitly because the NIS was doing a lot of dirty work for the conservative governance. And there's a sort of a uh, an antagonism there. The NIS, I, I don't think NIS agents would identify as liberals. They would not like the liberal governance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some of them might actually uh, think that Moon Jae-in was a dirty North Korean communist. Uh, more, the more sensible and smart ones would not do that. They would uh, retain some distance. But yeah, uh, the NIS being reformed of the Moon administration would make it fairly hard for the NIS to pull this off during then. That said, the Moon administration also did not get rid of the NIS and tried to let them continue some of their activities. So this is coming back to bite them in the ass and uh, and, and the KCTU's ass as well. All right, very good. Yeah, thank you for that question, Songmin. Very good question. All right, well, let's... Um, I think we've gone through sort of like at least most of the, the salient details of what happened with the raid. Um, and yeah, that thing about the embedded Chosen Ilbo, Ilbo reporter, that's... Uh, wow. Uh, I guess nothing should surprise me at this point, though. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the political context and more of the motivations around this. Um, so Yoon, the president of South Korea, he has been very unpopular uh, during his entire tenure so far. So he was elected on a very narrow margin. Um, and uh, his uh, popularity ratings uh, began cratering shortly after he took office. Um, you know, uh, making Joe Biden look popular in the U.S. almost. Um, we're talking in the 20 percent range, which is pretty astounding. We're, this is like uh, within two to three months of him being in office. It was getting into this kind of territory, 30 percent, 25 percent. And uh, as always with a lot of uh, politicians, good way to detract from your own uh, administration scandals is to uh, stir up uh, a boogeyman and... Uh, start if not a war maybe a uh, a class war skirmish so we mentioned the trucker strike which we did a stream on um a while back which happened in uh, november and december uh after yoon took a very aggressive kind of law and order uh stance on the strike he did get a 10 percent rise of approval um and some of the people surveyed uh in the public uh did reference his handling of the strike as being uh, one reason why uh, uh, they uh, increased their approval of his administration. Um, so basically, this mobilized the support of the right wing with anti-union sentiments and basically got some, I think probably most of these people are, were people who had voted for him but got disillusioned, maybe brought back some of his hardcore base. I don't know. Uh, we'll see what Bori thinks about that. Um, yeah, so... What's Yoon's like, calculation here? So Yoon was only able to win the presidential election on a very small margin. And the strategy he seems to be going for while imposing uh, a back to Lee Myung-bak era neoliberal policies in a very explicit manner. Some of the uh, reports that the government put out puts out are word to word the same from the Lee Myung-bak era. Like doing that, he seems to go for the strategy of trying to maintain the hardcore right support rather than try to win off the centrists 
that are more disillusioned on politics overall. There's a huge portion of people who don't identify as supporters of either party, whether that be the Minju Party or the uh, the People's Power Party, uh, which sounds very radical and their color is red, but don't be fooled. It's it's well, yeah. conservative party. Yeah, I can't but, keep up with their names. They they change their name every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Justice Party, Green funny Green. fact is that the Justice Party is the longest party in Korean history to uh, retain their name. All the other parties like change their name every five years or so. So um, anybody, if you ever have a scandal, just change your name, and everyone. Will <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so instead instead of winning over like that the centrist that neutral ground, they're just trying to garner support, rally the right, and and a really useful way of that is to stamp up anti-union sentiment. And the thing is, is that the anti-union sentiment is not something that is. Um, amongst the right, the liberals share it as well, mm. and liberals would not like Yoon, but say the KCT had it coming or something like that, or they're they're not like principally standing up against this repression and stuff like that. Mm. So yeah, that I guess that would explain it. Uh, trucker strike, very law and order, uh, putting down the strike. Like the government literally promised that they would. Uh, continue and expand the safe uh safe safe wages system um and then they didn't follow up on that for the entirety of the latter part of the year and then when the truckers went on strike they just clamped down on it so that would all be reasons to stroke up hatred and then they actually found that this strategy works to an extent, 10% rise in support. So we'll see a long continuation of that this year as well. Well, and I guess one factor in this too, maybe is the legislative elections are not too far away. Um, do you think that's in Moon's calculation as well? In Yun, right. Uh, that's the, the general election is next year. So, it's pretty early next year, though, right? Yeah, it's it's still a bit far off. I yeah. would say that yeah. the bigger calculation that they would be considering would be the one-year anniversary of the Yoon administration, which is coming up in May. Uh, he wants to have something to show for it. So yeah, this yeah. is something that I heard that I found was uh, quite enlightening. Is that Koreans in general, the general public? Uh, want to see the four seasons pass before they have they start holding strong opinions about the president. So that one year anniversary is is going to be when people start digging their heels in into whatever mm. opinions they have of the president. So that is going to be the tipping point on whether the UN administration will continue be seen as an unpopular yet still in charge president or uh massively unpopular to the extent that it's find, finding themselves harder and harder to pull off uh government government whatever uh, okay yeah that's a good point yeah i mean this is yeah i think a lot of people are like that so, sort of especially kind of like moderate voters who don't identify with any particular party it's like uh we'll give them a year then we'll we'll form a solid opinion all right uh songu what do you think any thoughts about sort of the uh 
general context or what Yoon's, uh, Yoon's motivations and, you know, uh, what, what the thought was behind this, like, huge, as, uh, as Boris said, spectacle with the, the very excessive police raid? Um, uh, I, I agree with Boris' idea, and I also think that, like, it is, like, trying to change the atmosphere, like, everybody is, like, blaming the Yoon, and, like, to change people's um, eye to... Um, to make people's eye look at the case to look at the case to you like look at them their curious ties like things like that yeah i mean there's also just been like some kind of comical like scandals just within his administration too which um i think that's part of it as well distracting from that it seems like almost every week there's some sort of ridiculous personnel scandal in his administration. So, yes. uh, I mean, there's a, a leadership election for uh, People Power Party and uh, the leading candidate, her name is, uh, what was it, Nam? Or... Nah. Yeah. Nah, 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 uh, yeah, well, um, he, she like sort of contradicted uh, the president or the administration's policy on uh, uh, child care policy because South, South Korea has the lowest birth rate in the world and successive governments have tried to without success try to figure out ways to like partially reverse that she kind of mildly contradicted him and then he just like fired her from every position uh and then just went after her within the uh uh party leadership election which i guess traditionally the pre sitting president tries to stay out of the party leadership race at least like publicly um and then you know his wife has been embroiled in uh sort of outrageous plagiarism scandals with her academic career so yeah, it does seem like he's desperately trying to do anything he can to like turn the news headlines away from his own shortcomings. All right, well, let's uh, we're going to get back to some of the some of the context when we when we go into the uh, police and construction trade workers. Um, yeah, I guess for now we've talked about the national intelligence services. Or I I, I just want to add that like. Yeah. The question still is there, why was the NIS operating in broad daylight? Why were they making this huge show and bring it onto uh, themselves? Why are they like into, going into the spotlight? The reason I, I briefly mentioned it uh, before is that the NIS was reformed under the administration. They weren't abolished, sadly, but this, uh, they were supposed to hand over their uh, investigation authority upon uh, violations, supposed violations on the national security law over to the police. And that starts next year. And this is the last, this is the final year they have mm. in continuing with those activities and national security law, because it's a, like you can, it, it comes from on doing Japanese, uh, under Japanese colonial rule when they were targeting communist national uh, socialists nationalists from abrupting uh, the rule uh, and then it was brought back in to, just before the Korean War to clamp down on the uprisings happening in the south and it was actually introduced before the, the uh, South Korean government's constitution was written but anyhow uh, it's it it's really ridiculous because it expands so much and it gives a lot of jurisdiction to the police and the NIS. And uh, it also is overlaps with other existing laws 
So it doesn't have any justification for it to exist. That said, uh, because it's so expansive, the NIS has used it to uh, really get liberal with what they're allowed to do and not. So that's why they're really insistent on retaining those powers. And they, they pulled off this show, that's how I interpret it, to hmm. show that they still have a role to play. The uh, evidence fabrication for the incidents in 2013, that was also the case of the NIS trying to prove to authorities and their administration that they had a role to play. Um, now, what's what's dangerous about this is that not only did the NIS pull this off, but you 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 might see the prosecutors doing the same, the police doing the same, and there being a kind of positive feedback amongst those three bodies in trying to prove that the NI the national security law is still important. We still have a lot of spy North Korean spies in South Korea, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but yeah, that's that's the political logic that the NI seems to be following and explains the the reasons, the motives for the entire show. Yeah, no, that certainly seems like it. Um, Sango, anything you want to add before we uh, kind of try to do a little bit of a brief history of NIS just to give listeners an, an idea of uh, that this police raid didn't come out of nowhere. This is uh, decades of uh, state violence in large part perpetrated by the NIS? No, I think I don't have anything to add. All right, that's right. okay. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that. So the head of the NIS, Won Seun, Nam Jae-jun, Lee Byung-gi, Lee byung like all of them were arrested on charges that they were overstepping the boundaries of what the NIS was allowed to do. What they did was uh, surveil civilians, intervene in domestic politics, try to sway public opinion through operating uh, comment section, comment teams. Like there would be teams of NIS agents, uh, like not, not the cool shit you see on James Bond films. You would have NIS agents sit together in computer rooms and write comments that would <laughs> smear progressive. Hey kids, North Korea seems pretty cool, North right? North Korean like spies, <laughs> collaborators, uh, and just simp for the conservative government, etc. <laughs> uh, they would also fabricate evidence. I'm just and... picturing like a 45 year old like security agent sitting in a PC bong. I, I would think it would be hell of depressing. Like I, I would imagine <laughs> NIS agents, they would somewhat like dig into the nationalist mythology of uh and the nis mythology of being cool agents that actually contributes something to the country and they're given jobs that is just writing comments all day yeah. <laughs> but yeah because and because uh president park Geun-hye was ousted on abusing her her authority as well uh, part of that was uh, shown to have happened under the NIS. That's why Im Young-bak was arrested and served jail time. Uh, the NIS heads served jail time as well. And that's why the NIS was getting reformed. But Yoon Seok-yeol has released Im Young-bak, has released previous NIS heads. 
uh, and they they are also trying to reintroduce. So so the NIS is a separate institution. A similar intelligence unit existed exists in the military, and that was what was primarily uh, used under the military dictatorships. Uh, Park Jong Hee uh, had the KCIA. Uh, Korean Central Intelligence Agency, uh, so literally Korean CIA, which had uh, CIA support and education. And the next pre the next uh, dictator, Chun Doo-hwan, was also uh, an important figure within the KCIA. And but because that was the head had assassinated Park Jong-hee, that agency was uh changed to i forgot the acronym uh the national well, security like the planning agency so the yeah, heads it's just like the, the political KC... parties they change their name every time there's a huge right right exactly so Duan was the acting director of the kcia and because the head of the kcia kim jagu kim jagu assassinated park he changed it to the nspa national security planning agency and um the national security headquarters within the uh the security headquarters within the military was changed into the current uh korean military i, I don't know how to translate this but what, what i was trying to say is that the yun uh, and the kuminehim is the people's power party is trying to change the law so that the uh jurisdiction of the Kim Usarangbu expands and, and they will be able to play the role that the NIS had traditionally, the KCIA, the NSPA had traditionally played. They are also trying to uh, argue that the NIS's jurisdiction of investigating possible National Security Act violations should not go be handed over to the police. Uh, they've also put in uh they tried to uh they've installed the national i don't know what the what it stands for the nccc at the pangyo techno valley about possible corporate industrial spying like monitoring that that's that's the rationale behind it but because it's it's dealing with domestic affairs that leads to the possibility of the NIS expanding that center to serve uh, surveilling civilians as well. So there you see this kind of return to uh, that kind of national security days. Hmm. And when, when we talk about the human rights abuses of the NIS, because we're not just talking about the NIS, we're talking about its predecessors, the KCIA and the MPSA. We're talking about dozens of incidents where they fabricated evidence, uh, tortured, uh, tortured people, surveilled people illegally, et cetera, et cetera. And all of them being revealed and recognized by the state, by the courts as being illegal, as being wronged. And these court decisions are not like uh, they did not happen 10 years prior like these court decisions are coming out 
2021, these are very fairly recent happenings. So this isn't a thing of the past, although the uh, fabrications happened uh, 10 years prior, these things are concurrent to what we're doing, what we're seeing right now. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Yeah, there's a, I just looked at the, it looks like the kind of official English translation of their slogan is, uh, we work in the dark to serve the light. There you have it. And they were working in the dark with the uh, black vests that set the NIS walking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> around in broad daylight in the KCTU office. That's how they do their shit. Uh, well, you, they need a break from uh, typing neighbor comments in PC. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not healthy to be in those all day, you know? Got to get some sunlight. Uh, all right, <laughs> right Songu, any thoughts about like just sort of the NIS's uh, legacy and how it informs the current events with KCTU? Um, I remember that there was a woman agent who was cut, uh, cut when she was writing a comment and like, uh, I, I I remember there was like Justice Party congressman and other guys uh, who were trying to catch her writing a comment and she locked herself in a room and <laughs> a refused to came out. And like, I remember like conservatives claiming that like, um, the this guys who- Bridging upon personal space. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so and now like, they're feminists. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was hilarious. That yeah. was hilarious. She, she, she was caught in the middle of writing comments. Uh, people tried to raid her office. Her, she was working from home, I think. And yeah, she locked herself so. in. And there was a whole debacle over that. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, okay. I think I heard about this. It was like uh, some YouTube streamers were like outside of her house, right? Yeah, streamers and congressmen. Yeah, yeah. So they were like live streaming it. And then, yes, one of the conservatives, it was like, you know, because usually they engage in this like very cynical, vicious, anti-feminist rhetoric. And they were like, I can't believe that they like violated this woman's personal space. <laughs> exactly. So opportunistic and cynical. But I, I would imagine uh, that person being very suicidal. Like, it's already depressing to be writing comments, but getting caught in the midst of it, <laughs> getting yeah. on national news, <laughs> I would I would be locking myself up, <laughs> not, yeah, like, yeah. not seeing the day, light of day ever again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like someone gets a job at the CIA thinking they're going to be like a Jason Bourne or something, and then they're just like making coffee for Mike Pompeo. Uh, <laughs> Got to be a bit of a letdown. Um, all right, cool. Well, yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there's so much history there. Um, you know, if, if people are more interested in that, uh, who may not know about it, I'm sure uh, if you message us on any of our social media, we're happy to send you some more additional readings about the sort of history of state violence, particularly through the security services. All right. Well, let's, I guess, maybe now's a good time to turn our attention to. So we've talked about um, Yoon and his desire to deepen neoliberal reforms and do these very flashy theatrical uh spectacles using 700 police officers to get like you know a thin <laughs> pile of documents um so i think we we've kind of painted a decent picture with the state of the kind of uh south korean right wing is doing uh but let's talk a little bit more maybe about liberal administrations if, if you guys we talked about it a little bit but if you guys wanted to add any more about 
maybe with the previous Moon Jae-in, uh, Min Judong, which is the center-left party or centrist party, depending on how you view it, what they have done in terms of labor, because the way it's portrayed in like the English-speaking media is that Moon is just sort of this kind of, you know, good-hearted, like Jimmy Carter liberal, um, pro-union, pro-democracy, pro-women, all the pros, and that, uh, and that's contrasted heavily with like the South Korean right wing. But uh, as you guys have indicated, there's actually quite a bit of overlap in terms, especially in terms of neoliberal policy and how they relate to the labor movement. It's just uh, the rhetoric obviously is very different often, but I don't know any further thoughts about how the liberals in South Korea have approached this issue with uh, the trade union movement and also KCTU in particular. Or did we kind of cover most of that? Yeah, I think we covered most of that and we can move on to the Construction Workers Union. All right, sounds good. Okay, so Sung is going to lead us off for this one, but just a little bit of context. So we just went through uh, the uh, NIS and National Police Agency raid on the national headquarters of Korean Confederation of Trade Unions in Seoul. Uh, but this was for evidence collection on four individuals who it's not clear what exactly they're being accused of some sort of violation of the national security act but uh along with this were raids all over the country targeting the construction workers union which is affiliated uh with the kctu um so Small we're gonna correction there they they also raided the fktu the federation of korean trade unions offices as well Okay. All right. Yeah. Just a quick thing. And then Songa is going to tell us more about this. But so KCTU is the more left, uh, more recent, more kind of, I don't know, we tend to view them as like the democratic uh, tendency of the trade union movement. FKTU uh, is a, a much older trade union federation under the military dictatorship period. It had sort of semi-state approval. Uh, no, it was, it was explicitly uh, built by the state. So yeah, I shouldn't say semi. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of right-wing military uh, governments. You go, even... you go into you go into their homepage, and they have their own history. Mm -hmm. And Park Jong-hee introduced a lot of national security acts, like mm -hmm. and changed the constitution. They have it in their history that they they voted in approval. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a proud it's... legacy that they have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, my wife was a member, as I've told you, and like, yeah, they uh, they suck. Um, like to be that they don't fight for their workers or, or get good contracts. But yeah, so uh, a lot of these right wing military governments, historically, even fascist governments have had official trade union organizations that serve to discipline the workforce and mobilize the workforce rather than be any sort of vehicle for workers voice. But um, yeah, the government even rated FKTU. So even their like uh, deference to the state that you see but, but from a police it's, raid. It's, it's like giving off the veneer of fairness. That's what the that's NKT a good point. Yeah. So the so primary like, oh, targets were the KCT yeah. affiliate uh, affiliated construction workers. <laughs> All right, that's a very good point. So kind of obscures the, that fact if you kind of do a token rate on everyone else. Um, all right. Well, this is a uh, separate issue from the National Security Act. Uh, an evidence collection thing that affected the KCTU headquarters in Seoul. So I guess, um, Sungu, can you start us off here? So what are the accusations behind these raids, uh, regional raids, all across the country on the construction workers affiliated unions? 
Um, separate round of race and the construction workers union is based on an allegation of union corruption. About 20 Burma and current labor union officials are charged with coercion and intimidation for bursting the companies to hire their union members. The construction companies have been complaining about this practice. A survey by the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure and Transport that only included the opinions of construction companies became the basis of the post investigation. Um, I will explain it more on the back, but like um, union asking union asking the companies to hire their union members, it is related to the like their working conditions, mm. um, because like uh, construction workers' working condition is like very different from like ordinary workers, so this is happening, and. And also, according to the police, another reason for the raid was because the union tried to burst construction companies to pay for the union officials and expert for bribe. Um, uh, I'll explain it. Uh, explain it later. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The the okay. employment thing, I understand it as closed shop. That's how yeah. the construction industry works. Uh, Mike, could you explain what the difference between closed shop and open shop is? Yeah, so I was going to ask about that. So it sounds like the government is accusing them of using like intimidation and bribery to get their members hired. But yeah, closed shop is when you have an agreement uh, with an employer. Uh, and in order for someone to be hired, they have to join the union. Or the uh, especially in the construction trades, they have agreements where a certain uh, firm can only use uh, union labor. So, um, dock for example, workers traditionally have have that agreement. Yeah, yeah. And, I and, mean, and, and in, in the case of South Korea, the state literally made that the case. It was the state that made the dock workers a closed shop. Mm. So yeah, closed shop. You have to be. Uh, uh, so it's it's not something out of the ordinary. Uh, the state themselves created a closed shop in the dock workers. The construction mm -hmm. workers are doing that on their own initiative, but mm -hmm. it's not like completely like unimaginable right yeah this is not unusual i mean it's very common or at least well it's becoming less common just because of the destruction of labor but it's fairly common in the united states as well um but also a lot of i think what you're trying to say song is the uh or what you were saying the construction a lot of these construction workers are i guess what we would call independent contractors um so they're somewhat self-employed and then um, I guess this leads us into the union's counter argument. So they're saying uh, the state is accusing them of coercion, intimidation, et cetera. What is, uh, have been the various responses from the unions that have been targeted? Um, I was able to find the KCTU construction union members clarification about the red and the statement of police in the Kanashimon article. According to the construction union member, when there is a construction site, union asks the company to hire their members and discuss the as and working conditions. But what the government and police are doing is making the discussion illegal, even if there is a mutual consent between union and company. Like, uh, if, if there is a mutual consent about the um, closed shop between the company and the union, 
though there there can be a mutual consent, but like what government and police are doing is like bring all of them as illegal things. And I what I heard is because like it is illegal to um to only to only hire the union members uh to uh to write in the document that they will only hire union members they usually say like we will do the companies usually say we will do our best to hire union members mm. that's what i heard another thing is is that all despite all the talk of freedom from yun so like even if so they were talking about uh reprimanding companies that collaborated with unions so they're Ooh. infringing upon the capital's right to uh negotiate with unions right i mean yeah this stuff is always like very hypocritical but yeah, i mean another reason too is um you know I, i'm not sure how it works in south korea but i would imagine it's quite similar like uh, if you want to get like some sort of skilled construction trade like union apprenticeship thing it's a very intense process um so i mean the, the reason a lot of companies voluntarily work with union workers is in the construction trades is because they tend to be the high, most high skilled and best workers so it's um that's one thing too why some construction just a side note why some of these that's that's true in south korea as well so yeah i would imagine it's, yeah. it's, it's not the companies that a lot of like provide <coughs> educational services it's the trade unions yeah the the kct affiliated construction workers union is the is who they they are the one providing educational services for members so that they can acquire the skills required to work in the construction industry none yeah. of the companies are putting pulling out their resources for that right okay all right so that um yeah it seems so they're they're saying the construction workers are asking for bribes but it sounds like um they're kind of mischaracterizing asks for wage increases as a bribe so it's like hey can we get a little more money for the work we're doing and then that's like considered some sort of extortion i don't know can you talk a little bit about that sangu uh the reason turkline engineers ask for extra money is due to the fact that construction companies want turkline engineers to do extra work that they can do with the turkline instead of using other heavy equipment engineers so union is insisting companies hire more heavy equipment engineers rather than making turquoise engineers to do extra extra work, and also union is trying to prevent turquoise engineers getting extra money. So yeah, uh, so all the bribe accusations that the conservative newspapers and liberal uh, commentators are throwing around is. If if you look into the numbers, they all come from the tower crane operators receiving extra money, and this is outside of the wages they're getting paid. But the but the reason because of that is because they're they're being forced into working extra hours. The uh, because the construction work is always subcontracted. Uh, the main construction company like Hyundai or GS or like these companies will only allow give out the money to employ and to hire a single tower crane and a single engineer and then the construction companies that work underneath them would be forced into a situation where they have to ask the tower crane operator to work extra time and also instead of using other 
heavy equipment as Sangu just mentioned, they would use the tower crane for that. And that's and because the tower crane operator is use is working overtime and like they have to go up the ladder to the top of the tower crane. And if, if the tower crane falls falls over, that's instant death. So mm. these are very precarious working conditions and that's why there's a long tradition of tower crane operators receiving like side notes, uh, extra money, bribes, so from workers and companies part so that they will continue to do the work. Uh, but, the, but the funny thing is, is that the KCTU has been clamping down on this practice and uh, disciplining members, members uh, union members if they do receive extra money. But that's conveniently left out of the picture uh, and it's being shown as if the KCTU affiliated union members are corrupt and receiving bribes uh, mm. completely outside of what, they, what they're supposed to get paid. All right, well, that's really good context to know. Um, and another thing, I guess, uh, you alluded to this earlier is, <clears throat> so these raids were against KCTU, FKTU, and then also a number of various, like, sort of smaller construction trades union to, you know, the real target is KCTU, but by raiding them all simultaneously creates the illusion that it really is like an honest effort by the state to crack down on uh, so-called corruption in the labor movement as a whole. Um, so I guess what what is the motivation here to attack the construction trades unions in particular? Because they could have gone after any of the various unions under KCTU's leadership or any any sector of the labor movement generally. Why why construction trades? Why is that a target for Yoon? Uh, Songu, what do you think? In my opinion, suppression against the construction union is happening because of the massive growth and the power of the construction union. For example, between 2020 and 2021, construction union having equipment sector's membership growth was over 15%. If we only look at the growth of Busan and Gawa's heavy equipment sector's membership growth, it was over 30%. Um, I can feel this because I, because I live in Busan. Sometimes I go to Big Lally in Busan and like almost like half of the workers, almost half of the workers were participating in the Lally is uh, construction workers. Uh, so okay. I can feel the atmosphere. And also the construction union is being suppressed because they are very militant. Like for example, and during the Trucksters strike, um, Unions in the same industrial union with the truckster was not able to conduct the solidarity strike, but the construction union was able to get on the solidarity strike. Moreover, when the production was asking the court for an arrest warrant to arrest the Busan construction union official, one of the reasons they allowed was to reduce the union's influence, which is getting bigger. It was kind of funny. Uh, so yeah, the construction, if like they do any sort of strike action or, or work action, it can be incredibly disruptive to the economy. And then also their militancy with uh, being engaged in the trucker strike and et cetera. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. That they're targeting the, the strongest parts of the labor movement. All right. Any thoughts about that, Bori? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess a little further context was, a big portion of what the truckers uh what, what's the word 
send around is concrete, which mm -hmm. is used into construction sites. So there's a very direct relationship on what the truckers were doing and the work that the uh, construction workers were doing. And the union put out a statement in solidarity saying that even if the truckers don't work now, the concrete is coming to this site sooner or later. So mm -hmm. they're not like making us, they're not pushing us out of the job. We can wait. That's why we're in solidarity. You should not uh, like pit, the government should stop pitting workers against workers. Construction workers stand in solidarity. And that mm -hmm. was quite badass. And yeah, and that was. It seems like it'd be easy to drive a wedge between the two of them, but they, they resisted that. Yeah. Uh, another, another commonality between the truckers and the construction workers, again, is the self self employed contracted workers element. So legally, both truckers and construction workers, especially the heavy equipment operators, are not recognized as workers. They're special. They're designated as uh, specially employed workers, mm -hmm. and that makes them exempt from the usual labor laws. Uh, so the extent is that the truckers union is not recognized by the union. That's why they're affiliated with the KPTU as truckers solidarity headquarters, whereas the construction workers union is actually recognized by the Ministry of Labor. They issued out a certificate for recognizing that this is an actual union. Hmm. Uh, but the Junsogar administration has been uh, trying to use the Fair Trade Act, like which is supposed, which is which was uh, brought in to stop monopolies from happening on the higher echelons of capital and they're trying to apply it to the unions because they are trying to frame those unions as uh employer groups that are trying to impose monopolies hmm. uh so th that that has been used against the truckers that is being used against the construction workers as well so if this i don't think the legal case will actually work out because every single country in the world makes the Fair Trade Act and makes unions exempt from it because workers, they're in completely different conditions from those that employ people. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're trying, they're framing it as, as if it will work and uh, conservative newspapers will probably not pay attention when the actual court rulings come out. So. Uh, another attack on the unions and some extra context. All right. Well, here's a quick segue into a question we just got. Uh, this is from Sung Woo Hong. He, he or she asks, uh, or they ask, could you give an overview and your opinion on how unions and the labor movement generally are responding to these attacks from Yoon Seok Yol? So whoever wants to take that first, Bori or Sung Woo. So I guess the question is about what are the unions thinking is the strategy to resist these attacks? Maybe hmm. Songo, you want to give your thoughts first and then <laughs> Um, I heard like union is preparing for the generous fight, but I'm not sure about the effect because like we, because KCT was like, um, every year trying to make a generous strike but not very success, successful so like i think like 
this time like uh, Union officials and like KCT headquarters is putting more effort to make a real general strike but I'm not sure about the effect and and I'm uh, I'm not sure about like other response uh, at, um, uh, case, right, it could continue, sorry. Yeah, case to uh, like leftist parties, like justice party, progress party, labor party, green party is collaborating and like in the, in the something to like attack delay attack the workers and unions but like I, I think it's not that very effective okay boy what do you think well uh <coughs> unions are put off on the back foot here because the truckers strike was effectively put down by the state uh so a, a lot of it is being held as reactions to the state's offensive but usually that has always been the case uh, the KCTU has brought in the leaders of all the uh, trade union units uh, together and uh, brought them together to discuss the possibility of holding off a general strike in, in July. Um, and you'll be seeing, I guess we'll be seeing what how like a certain buildup to that point. Uh, the KCT will also be changing their uh, operating system, I guess. Uh, not the computers, but like their organizational wise to a struggle headquarters. Uh, and that would be bringing and working in solidarity, working with other civil society organizations and trying to create an anti-Yun uh, front. So mm. the so the Yun administration last year in 2022 was just being launched in, was being launched. They were trying to settle, the, settle down, uh, devise strategies for employing the policies that they want. Um, they did that successfully with the truckers, uh, but they will want to continue to solidify their position and continue on that, the work that they started. So we'll be seeing a ramp up in suppression this year, and we'll be seeing lar larger resistance from the trade unions from that. Uh, whether that will be successful or not is something that we will have to see, but we are in for a dynamic year, and we don't know how the conjuncture will change because uh, I, I didn't mention it earlier, today but we also have the itaewon disaster uh mm. the hundreds hundredth day anniversary uh commemoration is being will be held next week on saturday uh, mm. and we will be seeing continuous rallies on that uh throughout the year and afterwards as well and we all know that the sewol ferry a disaster was what ultimately, and the energy behind that was be, uh, what brought down Pakkane, so we might be seeing something similar with Yunsuk. We don't know, and also last year, uh, 
when we saw a strike being pulled off by the subcontracted workers, the irregular workers in the uh, 거제도 통영 in the Daewoo Joseon industry, the shipbuilding industry. That wasn't something that the KCTU prepared in advance. That was a trade union pulling that off and then the entire labor movement coming in to support them. So we will be seeing stuff like that happening because uh, deteriorating labor conditions is, is universal across. Uh, the UN administration is trying, also trying to reform labor law that would allow workers to work extra hours. Uh, and these are hours that will be murderous for, for people doing manual work. Mm -hmm. So we will be seeing people be getting more desperate, uh, getting into trade union activities and pulling off more uh, spectacular stunts because they're being pushed into desperate uh, corners. And those might launch off big initiatives. So we don't know where those sparks will be ignited, but we will be probably seeing larger resistance in, in, in this year. All right, well, that leads into sort of, unless there's anything further to say about the construction trades uh, situation, that kind of leads into our next part. Um, then we'll probably wrap up after talking about this briefly. So, um, Yoon ran on this, but he's finally sort of, it seems like he's trying to kind of get some things, some proposals set in stone to put forward uh, around February is what we're hearing. So it's going to be a whole set of so-called labor reforms, always this very deceptive euphemism that they say. Uh, so they want to uh, basically go backwards on a number of things that the Moon administration, previous uh, administration did. Um, so there's the Serious Accident Punishment Act. We'll talk about that in a second. The 52-hour work week. Uh, some might be surprised to learn that South Korea is a 52-hour work week. They want to push that up to, uh, what was it, 67 or 60? No, they, they're, so the work week would be counting hours within a week. Uh, the UN administration is trying to let the counting happen like in a quarter. So effectively allowing crunch uh, production to happen. Uh, okay. So, so yeah. peak seasons will see up to 80 hours a week. Jesus. Yeah, I remember I worked I worked in uh, industrial stuff in peak season. It's grueling. 12-hour days for 30 days in a row. It's pretty insane. All right. Well, yeah, there's that. Um, because obviously the problem in South Korea, world's lowest birth rate, is that people simply aren't working enough. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, and... Uh, and as you know, Moon Jae-in, some of these things that happened in the previous administration, very limited, very minor, but it was still regarded as pro-labor. Um, so I guess the, and you know, the question now, as we mentioned, uh, this whole narrative of so-called trade union corruption, uh, they're proposing auditing all of the uh, union's finances. And that's under the also, you know, cynical euphemism of labor, quote unquote, reform. So. Uh, can we go into a little bit about the Serious Accident Punishment Act? I think everybody can understand the uh, increase in the work week, but Serious Accident Punishment Act and any other kind of uh, anti-labor neoliberal reforms that are in the pipeline. Oh, okay, so I, I didn't prepare a proper translations for it, but there are there is already an, a law legislation to punish 
employers for workplace accidents and disasters. Mm. It's in the uh, public health and labor acts portions. But the thing is, is that it was always very limited. You had to be seen as holding direct responsibility, like malignance or uh, actively ordering something dangerous uh, to work on. And that only then would you be punished. The Serious Accident Punishment Act was introduced to punish CEOs, basically. Mm. And it would be much, have a much wider range. So, uh, and, uh, so, and the UN administration is saying that the Serious Accident Punishment Act prevents companies from uh, managing their companies well. It's, it's another restriction that has to be removed. Uh, but even during the Moon Jae-in administration, it was, although it was passed, it was passed uh, in a very sad manner. Like, all of the really good portions of it was removed. It doesn't apply to workplaces with less than 50 people, etc., etc. Um, but, like, for, for, I, I attended a rally regarding uh, the Serious Ac Accident Punishment Act because uh, last week, no, this week actually, on Wednesday, on Thursday, uh, it was the one year anniversary of the act being introduced. And only two days later, uh, three construction workers, again, construction workers, were crushed under uh, a waste pile. Uh, like the sand pile that was uh, just very precariously piled upon. Hmm. It was, I think, something... Um, it, and it collapsed upon the three workers, and it took an entire week digging up to uh, get to their bodies. Um, and uh, the construction workers, although they're being attacked by the conservative newspapers as being part of the labor aristocracy, being corrupt, being kind of like mobsters. 644 workers died last year, and amongst them, 53%, 341 of them were construction workers. So we're all seeing uh, very precarious working conditions for, uh, uh, for construction workers. It's not like the aristocracy die doing work. Right, uh, right. And uh, <coughs> and the you will be seeing like uh, articles, series from Pyongyang and Hangyeore on what the accidents were digging into that and they are being released uh, this week and next week, coming days, etc. But the uh, investigations and the uh, and the research into what what was behind what was the reasons behind all those accidents was that it was that the ceos just did not were not caring enough to uh follow up on safety rules so mm. if they actually did care enough and see, saw that those rules were followed through 300 people 350 construction workers did not have to die last year that was what the serious accident punishment act was supposed to prevent but uh 
even even the accident that I just mentioned with these three workers under Sampyo Sanop, that uh, Sampyo Industries, and mm-hmm. they died, they're still not being investigated. They're still not being, the prosecutors have not put up case against them. It's not being dealt in court. So what happens is that usually these things happen, they take a very long time to get into court, to get prosecuted, etc. And after that happens, people forget about it. But yeah, that's that's what the Serious Accident Punishment Act is. Okay, well, cool. Thank you for that. Uh, anything to add to that, Songu? We have a, a question here, and then maybe we can wrap up after this last question. Um, I don't think I have. All right, cool. We have a question from uh, Corey Bisbee. Let me pop that up on the screen. All right, Corey asks, many U.S. labor leaders are criticized for seeing unions as mere special interests within the U.S. dim Democratic Party. Ironically, the the center-left party here, Minju Dong, uh, Democratic Party, rather than independent working class organizations, how do KCTU unions approach South Korean electoral politics? It's a very good question. Who wants to take that up for us? So the so the KCTU was launched in the late '90s, and from then on, it was it had it's it's called as the two wings of the progressive movement. The two objectives: one is uh, autonomous trade unions, and then working class representation in the National Assembly. And for that, the Democratic Labor Party was launched in the early 2000s. I think it was 2004 or something. And that had the sole support, exclusive support of the KCTU because the KCTU had worked to launch the Democratic Labor Party. But after after that happened, uh, there was a series of splits. And currently, as Sangu mentioned earlier, there's four progressive parties right now. But and, and that has been the state for the past decade or so. Uh, this year, the because of that decade of being divided, the KCTU just said that uh, vote for anyone you want amongst the progressive parties, but uh, it was hard to enforce that rule. So a lot of membership uh, drifted toward membership, but also cadre drifted towards supporting the Democratic Party. Uh, but this year, uh, it seems like the political committee within the KCTU is trying to create a a party of it for itself and bring in all the progressive parties into that and uh, give, give out the uh, directives that all membership should vote for that single party. Uh, whether that will work or not, we will see in April and afterwards because that's when the a directive will be uh, voted upon, uh, but I'm worrying that it's uh, a lot of party politics involve just trying to gain the upper hand amongst rival factions, etc. So we'll be seeing a lot of bickering, and I'm I'm worried that this will suck in all issues. Now I'm thinking that we will have to organize more direct actions and uh, strikes and organize from below, strengthen our ranks, etc. Focus on that. But I'm, I'm worried that the party politics might suck all that in. So hopefully we'll be seeing a unified progressive <laughs> party initiative by the KCTU, but also that it does not, it can 
wait and we can reap in the benefits of holding off a successful resistance against Yun and the results will uh, stumble in next year in the general elections, but uh, hopefully it won't be in a hindrance to that effort. All right, cool. Yeah, and he has as a comment that's interesting. There was a similar effort to form a labor party in the U.S. in the late '90s, 2000s. Um, yeah, that's an interesting topic in and of itself, but outside the purview for this today. Well, I guess any uh, final. We're about an hour and a half. Uh, any final comments before we wrap up about uh, perspectives going forward for the labor movements? Any just thoughts that maybe something that you wanted to say but forgot or. Uh, so, Bori or Sangu, any final things you wanted to say? Um, can I add more about like Curry's question? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Like, I saw a poll, and like over fifty percent of KCT members have voted for Lee Zemian, Democratic Party candidate. And another interesting part was that like if we only look at the irregular workers in KCT, over sixty percent. Uh, workers voted for the progressive parties and and other thing I had to say is like there was a presidential candidate in 2012 called Kim Sunja. I heard she was supported by the socialist party peoples and and what, what I was surprised because, like, during the presidential election, she support, she officially supported Lee Jae-myung. And because, like, the general union sometimes do, uh, like, political discussion officially at the union, but, like, usually union members are not very interested. Also, like, three out of two union officials in the Busan General Union is a member of the Labour Party, but like, but ordinary members are not very interested in like politics or like politics based, politics based on workers. Yes, mm -hmm. that's all I want to say. All right, cool. That's good. Good stuff. Yeah, my, my final comment was would be that we saw 700, 700 police being mobilized for a single desk raid. Uh, <laughs> contrast that to the 10,000 people that were expected to flock into Itaewon during Halloween. Yeah. Uh, the police mobilized for that were 137. Only 58 were in uniform. The rest were there in plain clothing to investigate possible drug abuse. So only 58 yeah. people were deployed to crowd control of 100,000 people. And this just, sh and that was because the uh, Ministry of Law and the prosecutors had declared a war against drugs uh, during, I think, uh, uh, September, I think. And that's why a lot of the police force were deployed in that manner. Some of the police were in the area, but they were just uh, taking off anti Yun flyers. Uh, so it just shows what the priorities of the police mm -hmm. are. Another another contrast would be this is outside of the purview of this uh, search warrant, but uh, I attended a uh, what's what's the word Tonjangyan Tonjangyan in English. Do you know what it is, Mike? The acronym for the Disabilities Movement, the the biggest organization. Oh yes, I should know this because we did an event with them. Uh, yeah, I attended one of their rallies. Uh, 
that was trying to, they were restarting getting onto the subway at Samgokji station. There were, I, I, I did an estimate about how many police were deployed there. So there were six to seven police at each carriage, at each entrance to the subway, uh, to the, uh, the door to the subway, to each door. There are four doors for each carriage, and there are 10, 10 car car carriages online. Yeah, for. it's solidarity against disability discrimination, I believe. That's right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so that, that would, at a conservative estimate, be 280 police. And that's already excluding uh, the, poli uh, the police being on the sidelines because they were switching police in and out so that they weren't getting overworked while <laughs> us protesters were uh, staying there the entirety of the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, 280 compared to 58, again, uh, 280, maybe like 350 uh, more accurately, uh, were there to prevent 40 disabled people in wheelchairs from getting onto the subway. So yeah. a huge, huge show on what the police's priorities are. It's more important to raid a single desk and put off this entire show for the NIS than to uh, prevent people getting crushed to death or allowing people in wheelchairs to get on subway carriages. Hmm. No, that's an extremely important point, especially the Itaewon contrast. Um, I mean, we've talked about this internally about possibly doing another a live stream about that, um, especially since it's past the kind of traditional mourning period and there's going to be significant political activity around that and what led to that horrible tragedy but yeah good point it illustrates the priorities um all right well i guess if unless songa you have something to add um i'll just say thanks everybody for watching and this video will stay up so please share it with everyone and we will have it on our audio podcast feed we've traditionally been an audio only podcast but we do want to do more of these live streams they're fun for us and hopefully informative and enjoyable for you too um, so we do have some uh, kind of uh, proper pre-recorded podcast episodes coming out. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, sorry for our uh, dribble and drabble of uh, content lately, but everybody's busy, uh, engaged in activism and, and stuff like this that we're talking about. So we do want to get more content out there, but thanks everybody for joining and sharing this and uh, especially those who asked questions. All the questions are really good and enrich the discussion. So I guess we shall see you soon, comrades. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining. Yep. See you guys.